welcome to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. Jessica Luke and I'm a first year cardiac surgery resident from the University of British Columbia. I have the incredible honor and privilege to speak with Dr. Mara Antonoff who is an assistant professor in thoracic and cardiovascular surgery from MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston regarding her perspective on the use of social media in cardiothoracic surgery. Dr. Mara Antonoff is well known for her work in founding the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network, also very well known as TSSMN, which is a joint effort by the leading journals in the field of cardiothoracic surgery, the Annals of Thoracic Surgery, and the Journal of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery. The primary goals of the initiative are to bring social media attention to key publications from both journals and to highlight major accomplishments in the field of cardiothoracic surgery. Dr. Antonoff, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, my first question for you is, can you speak to the reasons why cardiothoracic surgeons and trainees should use social media? Thank you very much, Jessica, for having me today. It's really a pleasure. And um, uh, with regard to your question, why cardiothoracic surgeons and trainees should use social media, I guess I would mention that one of the pivotal factors leading to heightened social media engagement by surgeons has been the realization that Due to our career choice, we all have public profiles that are easily searchable on the internet. And we might all like to believe that our ideal search results would include uh, sites such as our institutional website or our CTSnet profile, um, or maybe some articles touting our accomplishments. But the reality is that when uh, the public searches for our uh, names, when they go online, what they often find are patient-driven physician ranking sites that may or may not have useful information about us. We do have data to suggest that a significant portion of patients are looking up their surgeons before their first visit, and even a substantial portion of patients are using the internet search to select the hospital and the surgeon whom will perform their operation. So it's an issue where we realize that we can create our own public persona. We can mold the way that we're seen by the public, and we can optimize our own online profile. In this realm, we're able to harness opportunities to build our practices, promote our institutions, and herald the scientific and clinical achievements of ourselves and our colleagues. It's also a great way that we can educate the public and interact with advocacy groups. There are a lot of wonderful ways that social media can enhance our practices and the way that we're viewed by the public and our potential patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Antonoff. Uh, and my second question for you is, uh, for the starters out there in social media, are you able to give us a quick overview of the social media outlets there are and advice on how cardiothoracic surgeons and trainees can leverage these various outlets? Absolutely. There are a number of outlets for social media. Right now, there are actually about 3.4 billion users of these types of networks um, worldwide. And the most frequently used is Facebook. There are about uh, 2.2 billion users of Facebook. This is a social networking site that allows users to create profiles and upload photos and video and send messages to friends. Um, this is definitely the most popular social media outlet. Um, I think that it's important to be familiar with Facebook because there are a lot of great Facebook groups um, involving a number of uh, cardiothoracic surgical societies and organizations. However, um, and we can talk about this a little bit later, I would caution individuals from using Facebook as a means of communicating with the public because it does require reciprocity and this allows 
um, individuals to be able to view lots of private information about yourself when you um, become friends with an individual via Facebook. Another venue is Twitter. This is a microblogging service that allows users to broadcast these short posts that are called tweets. These are all 280 characters in length or shorter, and you can follow other individuals' tweets. One of the great things about Twitter is that it does not require reciprocity. So you can follow any number of individuals' um, Twitter handles without them necessarily following you. Another great thing about Twitter is that using um, what we call hashtags um, is a way to tag different posts and follow uh, topics and ideas of interest. So for example, you can follow the hashtag lung cancer social media or follow the hashtag thoracic surgery social media network or medical education. There are a variety of different tags that you can follow in order to be involved in um, live chats or asynchronous conversations about topics that are of interest to you. Um, in terms of other social media outlets, LinkedIn is a social networking site that was designed for the business community, which was followed by Doximity, which is a similar networking service that was initially intended for U.S. physicians that does offer searchable directories, case collaboration, and some curated medical news. But overall, I would say the, um, the platforms that are most familiar to most individuals are Facebook and Twitter. Instagram is another platform that um, allows individuals to share photos um, along with some of the hashtags that we've mentioned earlier, and this is being used more and more by a variety of cardiothoracic surgical organizations. But again, I would say that the leading venues uh, are going to be Facebook and Twitter, with Twitter being uh, ideally the best platform for uh, engaging in professional use. Thank you so much, Dr. Antonoff. And Thank you so much for the fantastic initiative that you started, uh, the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network, which is the joint effort by leading journals in the field uh, to bring social media scholarship to Twitter. Can you tell us more about how surgeons and trainees of the cardiothoracic surgical community can get involved? Absolutely. Well, the first step to be involved in these conversations through the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network would be to follow the network handle, which is um, at TSSMN, but also to follow all of the delegates to the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network, which um, can be found online, a list of their names. But um, following all these individuals is a great way to stay abreast of the content. I would also suggest searching periodically or following the hashtag TSSMN. And the way that this works is that the delegates for the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network will be sharing posts periodically, featuring articles regarding um, uh, a variety of topics in adult cardiac, congenital, and general thoracic surgery, as well as uh, education issues relevant to trainees with the hashtag TSSMN. These will all be articles from Annals of Thoracic Surgery or uh, the Journal of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery. In addition to these monthly tweets related to these topics, there will also be periodic tweet chats. These occur on average about once every two months or so, and they're usually specific chats um, targeted to a subgroup like adult cardiac surgeons or general thoracic surgeons or potentially trainees. And these individual chats are great ways to um, highlight several articles on a similar topic at any point in time. When you see advertisements for these chats, I'd strongly recommend that you participate in the chat. If you have any questions about exactly how one participates in a chat, we could have a whole separate podcast of its own just explaining how to participate in a chat. But there is a great article that came out in Annals of Thoracic Surgery by um, first author, Dr. Jessica Luke, explaining how to participate in a tweet chat, and I would certainly recommend that article as a means of uh, figuring out how to particularly uh, get involved at the uh, technical level on a tweet chat. Thank you, Dr. Antonoff. And for the recent social media campaigns of 
hashtag I look like a surgeon and hashtag New Yorker cover challenge as well as the recent uh, one that just came out last week of hashtag times up healthcare. Can you speak to the role of social media in the networking, mentorship and sponsorship of surgeons and its potential to overcoming barriers and bias? Absolutely. You know, one of the great things about social media is that it really can connect people at a variety of levels of training and um, different points in their career throughout the world. And they can be connected um, synchronously or asynchronously. And we can connect individuals who may be in all different places in the planet, different points in their career. And one of the phenomenal benefits of social media is that it really enables individuals who may not have appropriate networking or sponsorship at their home institution to connect with um, others who may be able to provide those services to them. We know from some previous research that um, particularly for women in surgery and even more so for women in cardiothoracic surgery, there's a strong desire to have same-sex mentorship and networking at their same institution while it is very infrequently available. And so one of the issues that we found is that women uh, in surgery and particularly in cardiothoracic surgery have sought social media as a means of connecting or uh, potentially networking with other women in their field or individuals who may be mentors for them. We also see the He for She campaign, another um, phenomenal uh, hashtag that has really had a huge following on social media as a means of promoting individuals um, and supporting efforts for uh, inclusivity and diversity. I think another key issue is that, um, you know, we hear often the, the phrase, um, you can't be what you can't see. And so social media enables us also to promote diversity and inclusion by showing a wide variety of surgeons and cardiothoracic surgeons to potential trainees and individuals who are trying to select their career and want to understand that they do have, you know, a world of options open to them. Social media is really a terrific means of not only connecting people who are already in this training environment or in this career path, but also providing a, a view for individuals who are prospective participants in our field to understand that this, there really is a place for them here. Thank you so much, Dr. Antonoff. I, I know from a personal experience that Social media has played a tremendous role in my career as a trainee, and I thank you for introducing me to Twitter several years ago. That's my pleasure. <laughs> and Dr. Antonoff, can you highlight ways that cardiothoracic surgeons can and trainees can use social media for academic credit? Furthermore, can you tell us about article-level metrics and what it means for us as uh, cardiothoracic surgeons and trainees? Absolutely. So when we think about scholarly activity in social media, there's really two main paths of academic recognition. One being using social media to promote traditional scholarship. So this would be disseminating your published manuscripts or promoting your meeting content through social media. That's one means of connecting social media and your academic activity. But the other is to get academic credit for primary social media activities. So this means turning your tweets and blogs into lines on your CV. There are a number of tips for doing this, and they typically involve creating a digital profile or, I'm sorry, a digital um, uh, portfolio of everything that you've accomplished. And so many of us will create this either as a section on our CV or as a separate document in which you include links to all of the um, tweet chats that you've moderated, the blogs that you've written, the websites that you've curated, things of this sort. And it's really a way to make sure that you're getting recognized for the effort that you put in. One recommendation that comes out from a lot of the discussion regarding 
getting academic credit for social media activities is ensuring that the activity that you're doing on social media aligns well with your career goals. Very similarly to the fact that when we talk about physician scientists, it's important oftentimes to be doing both clinical or basic science research that aligns closely with your clinical niche. It's what makes sense. Likewise, it's very important that the activities you're doing on social media align similarly with your um, general uh, research interest or your clinical interest or the areas that you are practicing um, in your specialty. So I think these are ways to ensure that you're able to get academic credit is having a career goal. And it's very appealing to institutions and um, boards that are looking at promotion and tenure if you can make an argument to say that everything is in alignment, whether that be that your clinical research and your basic science research align with the same um, type of uh, disease that you like to take care of in patients, or whether you can say, look, I'm participating in the lung cancer social media content that aligns closely with our efforts to provide advocacy and education to patients and their caregivers of lung cancer. As long as you're able to align your career goals in some way that is um, connected and there's a driving force behind your social media efforts that aligns closely with what you're doing clinically or in the research lab or in uh, your um, you know, uh, clinical research, something of that sort, I think it's able uh, to make sense to those individuals who are looking at using these activities for promotion and tenure. If you're interested in learning more about um, getting academic credit for social media activities, there have actually been some excellent papers and uh, recommendation documents put out by the Mayo Clinic um, in Rochester, Minnesota about how to really create a digital portfolio and to get uh, credit academically for some of these social media activities. Thank you so much, Dr. Antonoff. Important points on how to build a niche, uh, starting even from the trainee level and going all the way to faculty. And lastly, given the far-reaching effects of social media and its potential to do both harm and good, uh, can you speak to social media use best practices for cardiothoracic surgeons as well as trainees? Yes. You know, I actually have several tips for effective social media use to try to uh, really in, engage in best practices, and some of them are um, to help promote yourself better, and some of these tips are really to prevent um, any harm. I would say my first tip for effective social media use is to create your own personal identity. To do this, you want to consider your clinical and research interests, but also be clear that the thoughts and views that you express are your own, not of that of your institution or of uh, your hospital or any other organization. The next tip would be to separate your personal from your professional life. Of course, it's okay to connect with family and friends, but it's important to find a way to separate your professional persona to maintain a public appearance that you desire. And one strategy that many of us employ is to create professional connections through Twitter, which is publicly searchable and does not require reciprocity, and to connect with family and friends on Facebook, which tends to have greater privacy settings. This would be a way to share, for example, photos of your children or your birthday parties you know, with your cousins and friends from high school on Facebook. Meanwhile, you would be tweeting on Twitter um, with your professional persona um, regarding your area of interest, whether that be, you know, aortic valves or uh, minimally invasive mitrals or esophageal cancer resection, whatever that may be. You can talk about these things on Twitter where you keep some of your more personal things on Facebook. Um, my next tip would be to be aware of institutional policies. They're likely already in place, and it's, um, it's usually uh, very wise to make yourself aware of any pertinent guidelines that your employer may have. 
these policies tend to include smart and safe practices, including protection of private health information, preservation of professional boundaries, and appropriate use of trademarks. But if you find that by chance your employer does not have a policy in place, I would strongly encourage you to check out the guidelines created by the American Medical Association that were published online in uh, 2010. Um, I recommend that um, you should additionally um, be thoughtful and take your time and understand your audience. This is another tip. It's okay to watch before acting, but um, this gives an opportunity to really learn the, learn the key players who are involved in many of the discussions in which you're interested. My next tip would be to use your network to grow your network. So select whom you follow, um, not just by their interests, but also based on their connections. You can tag key stakeholders who have large following to increase your visibility, and you can use hashtags or tools to automate your tweets to also increase the number of uh, views that they'll have. I'd recommend retweeting content of major influencers, and of course, joining in tweet chats or starting your own. These are all ways that you can use your network to grow your network. Um, and my next tip for uh, effective social media use is to engage your audience. Be sure to provide attractive and valuable content. We know absolutely that there are more hits for posts that include photos, videos, and web links. And then, of course, recognize the permanence of your online activity. This is a really important thing to be aware of. Um, you really cannot take back anything you put on social media. You might be able to modify a Facebook post or delete a tweet, but you have no idea how many people took a screenshot before you deleted it or edited it. You should consider it to be permanent. Do not put anything on Facebook or Twitter or even in a closed group on Facebook that you would not want being sent in an email to your employer, to your mother, to your grandmother, to your children. And you just have to recognize that all of these things are quite permanent. So I know there's been a lot of tips that I've thrown out very quickly, but just to remind you, the main tips that I think are important to keep in mind are number one, to create your own personal identity. Number two, to separate your personal from your professional life. Number three, to be aware of your institutional policies. Number four, understand your audience. You can take some time to watch them if need be. Number six, use your network to grow your network. Number seven, engage your audience with interesting content such as photos and web links. And finally, recognize the permanence of your online activity because, again, you cannot take it back. Thank you so much, Dr. Antonoff, for sharing your insightful perspective and thoughts in regards to the use of social media in cardiothoracic surgery, which I'm sure our audience uh, and myself will find extremely informative. Do you have any closing thoughts you would like to add? I do not. I just want to thank you very much for the opportunity to participate in this podcast, and I just want to make everyone aware that you know your audience is out there waiting for you on social media, and if you do have any questions regarding how to use it appropriately, of course, Dr. Luke here is a phenomenal resource, but I'm always happy to help in any way that I can, so feel free reach out to me. You can reach me on Twitter at handle at Mara Antonoff. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Antonoff. It was an extreme privilege and pleasure. Thank you.